how do we get these, these men and women meaningful degrees? How do we put in place a structure that gives them a long-term opportunity to journey, journey and figure out what they're going to do with the rest of their life, especially if there's not a professional career on the yeah. horizon for them? Hello and welcome to The Cusp Show, the Columbia University Sports Management Podcast. This is Scott Rosner, along with my colleague, Joe Favorito. Hello, Joe, Scott. Joe, live from Radio Row in Phoenix, where we are joined for this episode by somewhat Phoenix local, Ken Shropshire, Professor Emeritus at the University of Pennsylvania, currently a special advisor to the Dean, Erica James, at the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania, longtime former colleague, co-host, partner in crime, et cetera, et cetera. How you doing, Ken? You got a cough button here. Somebody. Uh, exactly. At the cusp show. I never, you know. The cusp show. Cusp. Cusp show. Yeah. You're on the cusp, sort of? Is that That's the, the idea. That's is the that idea. what I'm supposed to think of? We are on the cusp. Cusp oh, of. We don't, uh, we, don't, we don't know. <laughs> right. The cusp of what is the question. The cusp of something, yeah. but it, there's several hundred episodes in the can, so right. it's coming soon. Right. How you doing, Ken? I'm great. I'm happy to be here. I am a uh, transplant Eagles fan, so fun week. Absolutely a fun week. I'm still waiting on that barbecue that you apparently have waiting for me in Scottsdale. It may happen tomorrow morning. Wow, morning barbecue. Morning barbecue. Well, I I see what you have been eating, which which is equivalent to an entire hog. (laughs) (laughs) There are are photos, ladies and gentlemen, of of the breakfast (laughs) these cuss people have been dining upon. And it ain't pretty. (laughs) So we we should have done a a sponsorship with Snooze, uh, the breakfast place. Shout out for Snooze. Shout out to Snooze. My goodness. I thought it was the uh, buffet, and it turned out to be just four four plates. We created our own buffet. (laughs) All right. So, Ken, fun week. What you got your eye on this week? What's going on? Uh, You know, so much. And and it's, it's, uh, well, let's get right to the black quarterback issue. The, the idea of two black quarterbacks, and, and I've talked about this a thousand times um, as this has emerged about what it means and what it doesn't mean. And I think, you know, as we talk about, I think my opinion of what it means, it doesn't mean has evolved over over the week. So, so that kind of conversation, which gets to the bigger conversation about has, has football, you know, above all other sports, has it really changed much since I think we were at that Super Bowl together, the the, the Dungy Lovey Smith Super Bowl. Absolutely, with two black coaches. We were. Um, so, so I don't know. I mean, it's it, it, it's it's a it's a that's been dominating much of my conversation because you know I, I'm taking an alcohol holiday and I haven't had a drink. Uh, my words, my sponsor. I haven't had. A, <laughs> I, I haven't had. A, I did the January thing. Dry January. And here I am in February. Right. So the parties have been a little bit different. Interesting. Yeah. So I mean, no lampshades on my head. No, again, no. <laughs> oh, man, man, that's, that's barbecue in the morning. Though, barbecue right? in the morning. So, so how has your thinking evolved on this? We've had a lot of conversations over the years about this. Um, in this particular week, this moment, this week of reflection, how has it evolved? You, you know, well, I'll tell you where I am. I am now. It's that it. it it's it's a bit. You know, it, it's an important landmark to acknowledge but it's just not that big of a deal and here's what I think I was talking with a former player 
about this. And it, it kind of goes, a conversation we've had a lot about when change progress is really, take, really taking place. And, it, and it's sort of like the, think about the utility player in baseball. And still the, the, the you know, I'm not a full speed baseball fan, but when I think about the great black utility player of all time, I think about Daryl Thomas. And then I think, huh, and there haven't been many others that are kind of this reserve player that, that hovers around forever. That if you're a star, which is what we have mm-hmm. with Hertz yep. and Mahomes, mm-hmm. two stars. There just aren't a whole lot of Charlie Batches. So the idea that you're a star and we've got you out there in the field to play, eh, that's... So, but but, but, what, but what, you know, how, what are the backup numbers looking like? Right, so it's, it's now evolved from a starter question to a backup question? Because I don't know the numbers. You trying to pin me down? No, no, I don't know. I don't know. So, so, but let's back up even a step Counselor, further. Where, 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 well, no, let's the lights hang, came right, down exactly. bright. <laughs> right, but let's back up a step further. We are, are we past the moment that we were in for for what was obviously way more than a moment for an incredibly long time of positional segregation in football? You, you know what? So, so I think that is so much like a lot of society. I. We are, for the most part, but there's, there's probably some decision makers that still have the same problem. Right. And it might be on draft day when they're trying to make that last determination, the black guy or the white guy, and maybe this is one place where I say that the unconscious bias comes out. Mm-hmm. They say, ah, this guy, you know, you got Johnny Unitas in your mind. Right. You got, you got you know, Joe Namath, some of these traditional kinds of, of looks that... Yeah, Hurts doesn't look like that, mm-hmm. or Mahomes doesn't doesn't look like that. So you say, ah, draft picks are better. Let me go with my gut, and this is where my gut is. Yeah, and it, and race is really not what you're thinking in, in the moment. So that decision can be made. But you know the the old Harry Edwards story, though. If you're thinking about who who can avoid LT, and you know you get past the the left tackle as a solution, right. then you need the quarterback that can move. And most often, see, the white guy says it's, it's racist. It's the black quarterback that has that kind of mobility. So, and I, and I think about it in a little bit different way, maybe just around the because nomenclature. This is what you always do? Is, no, is around the nomenclature thinking. around it. And, and, it's, it's, and I agree with you. I think it's, in a way, the with the black quarterback still, the thought process at, the thought process at the beginning is, oh, they're a great athlete. They can avoid right. the, the left tackle. And until they prove that they are a really smart quarterback, Right, they're not described that way, right? It's almost like the yeah. default starts with one until proven otherwise, where it's not necessarily the case when the role is reversed, right? When you have a Caucasian quarterback, so like Patrick Mahomes is brilliant, right? I mean, the the physical gifts are are obviously there, but he is so smart. But it it took a while, right, for people to start describing him as more than a great athlete playing quarterback, right? Yeah, it, it, you know, and and uh, I was gonna say so many of the white quarterbacks are. Are dumb. I mean, it, it's it's. Oh. Th- there's no universal. Uh, nobody's got the corner on on who's a smart quarterback. Of course. So so that that's nobody a, has a corner on who's a smart person. Well, if you if you uh, got <laughs> here we go. Stanford as opposed to Michigan. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> but speaking of Michigan, you know, so they they're the NFL Network. I think it's the NFL Network. Or the HBO. They released this this uh, documentary on Jimmy Ray. You know the the Michigan State quarterback when they were 
number one, the Bubba Smith team and yep. all that. 66. And then 66, 65, 65 and 66, yeah. they yeah. had these, these, yep. these great years. The 10-10 game was 66 with Notre Dame, right? Yeah. Very good. And and it was featuring this you know black quarterback that I was 10 years old when he was having this success. And I hadn't really focused on what happened to him when he went to the pros. You know, what, what happened to Jimmy Ray? Mm. And, you know, switch positions. Mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't even a moment. It wasn't even the, the Marlon Briscoe kind of opportunity. And he was there. Jimmy Ray was there. And here's the, speaking of brilliant, here's this brilliant guy talking about his coaching career, people talking about how much he knew about the game and that sort of thing. So, so the, the most successful collegiate black quarterback of that moment, you know, number one team, is a brilliant guy who has has you know, pretty good mobility, yeah, pretty yeah, good arm. Yeah, you know, he's pretty much like like some of these successful guys. They could could do it all, and understood the game too. And and, and doesn't part two. I mean, the the catch line for him was um, born too early twice mm. for both the, the quarterback position and the head coaching position. Mm. So he's he's really an interesting guy to think about in the context yeah. of all this. And we often go back to. You know, Willie Thrower is the, the first black quarterback to kind of get a, get a moment in a game. Shaq uh, Harris, first one to start a season. And Marlon Briscoe has these you know, couple of games with, uh, with the AFL and then NFL before he gets switched to, to wide receiver. Doug Williams went to Super Bowl. And then kind of a bunch of guys in between, whatever draft year that was, when right. all those guys got drafted. Right. And, and now we, you know, there, I guess there's 11 in the league uh, starting the season this year. The most, I guess two seasons back when it was 16. Yeah. So in some ways you could say the numbers have gone down, but 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 in some ways, ah, that's not an intentional, it, it really is a lot more of let's start the right guy. So let's turn from on-field to the coaching ranks. Right, it was at the Fritz Pollard Alliance luncheon yesterday, organization that's been doing great work for a couple decades at this point. It's probably yesterday might have been the 20th anniversary uh, of Fritz Pollard Alliance luncheon. Yeah, if the rule starts in 20, yeah, 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 20, yeah. 2003. And so we were, you know, involved in that at the very beginning with, with our former colleagues um, who did the research that led to the adoption of the original Rooney Rule, and obviously it's evolved over time. It's we're still having the conversation, Ken. Right? It's it's an uh, talk about what's happening in the coaching ranks, um, and at the levels below that, and and your thoughts on the evolution there. Yeah, and and you know maybe we shouldn't claim any connection with the the lack of you know, with with that whole rule because of the lack of success, especially sure. in in recent years. But part of it is. Reminding people, so this, you know, the, the Civil Rights Act signed in '64, Voting Rights Act '65. Uh, those problems are not solved. Mm -hmm. Those are wonderful pieces of legislation. They do have an impact, but they are not. You know, <laughs> I don't want to equate with vaccines or whatever. But but they're not absolute. It's it's eliminated. Mm -hmm. So I think the Rooney Rule does a good job of keeping the focus. And it also provides, although it's only been exercised once against Matt Millen, it does provide a penalty if you don't take the right steps mm -hmm. now to interview two coaches of color mm -hmm. uh, in, in the process. So, so it does do that. Now, I challenge anybody to come up 
with the solution on, on how you address this, especially, you know, in, in a couple ways. It, you know, first you think about if somebody, it's like paying taxes. You know, a wealthy guy like you, huh. you believe in the, you know, the wonderful things our government does, but you're trying to pay as little taxes as possible. Within the rules, I'm not Ken. Just to, for, our, for, for our IRS agent listeners, I, I am fully. I'm willing to carry my full share. Where, where, and not to say owners you know, aren't celebrating diversity and don't want to, but the idea is, I want to hire the guy I want to hire, who may or may not be a person of color, and I want to get through these rules to get to where I want to get to. So. And guess what? I figured out how to do it. Yes. And, and that's what's going on now. And so I, 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 the, the thing that, that disturbs me more than anything else, I don't lose any sleep over it, but so disturbed might be too strong a word, but the thing that disturbs me more than anything else is the idea that now there are so many seminars and preparation things that the top black candidates are challenged to do. Go to this thing and meet the owners and all that sort of stuff. When in fact, the action person in this is the owner. Right. How do we focus more on what the owners do and having seminars and the like for them? That, that, that's, that's where I think the training needs to be. Yeah. Not for Eric Bienemy, you got to go to this one more thing because, right. you know, somebody may not know you're out here. here right. Here's one more hoop to jump through <laughs> yeah. because, you know. Um, so, but, but a question around that what, we, we've done that. Right. I mean, we did that at Wharton, right? With the stuff that we did with the with the league. Can you and say the that being at Columbia? The, the I, I guess this was back in the day. This was, <laughs> this was before. This was in a prior life, right? Wharton doesn't do it anymore, right? Um, so when we were there, it's gone downhill. But I'm back. But, yeah, but, but, but when we were there, um, this is how it was back in the day, um, and it, it seemed to have some impact, right? After the moments where the owners came in and were with the candidates. The reports that we've seen more recently is that Rand Carthon, right, um, hired as you know, hired in, into his position because was ex he was exposed to ownership, right, and they got to know each other at one of these seminars. Right, right, yeah, and and we saw it with uh, it was the guy that got, got hired at Buffalo as the GM after we did that one at Wharton as well. I mean, we've seen Doug, it a few Doug times. Whaley. Yeah, Doug Whaley. Yeah, Doug Whaley. That you know, it does happen. It does. It, it does happen. So, so I wouldn't say get rid of it, but make sure there's the right amount of it mm -hmm. in terms of this network. You know, the, th the thing that that you know, we have seen oh, since 2003, and really the Bill Walsh earlier days before there was even this formality. For sure. This whole idea was how do we get people to meet? You know, back then it was Tyrone Willingham, Danny Green, uh, uh, Tony Dungy. So all these people that did go on and do things. How do we get these people to make these decisions to meet these potential head coaches, offensive, defensive coordinators, and the like? So, but I, I would like to see, you know, where should more of the work be done? More of the work should be done on owners. This is what, what you have to do in order to make these kinds of decisions. Mm. So let's go beyond this conversation you do and your career has covered way more uh, than race and sports although it's been a primary focal point of a, of a good part of the work that you've done um, outside of that realm what else have you had your eye on and and things that have caught 
kind of this moment of, huh, this is, this is interesting. Because we've seen a lot, right? What, Super Bowl related? No, 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 business of sports. Business of sports. You guys used to do that, didn't you? <laughs> there used to be a show. <laughs> And, and, and Scott used to lead the show, and he would say, "These are the topics we want to talk about today." Now, you now you're putting you now you're putting you on the spot. You didn't, you didn't cold call me and say, <laughs> "So, what, so what, we, uh, what, wait, wait, what, what Man, you think, which one's being sold? Man, Manchester United or Man, Man, Man City? United. Which one? Yeah, which one is it? United's on the block. <laughs> okay, United's okay. on the block. Yeah, yeah. I'll say, City, City just got in trouble, but United's on the okay, block. Okay, okay, okay. Um, while you think about that, can they? Just off no, no, can I get off the hook? Yeah, that's all. I'm, actually, his, his, I'm his, leading you his, off the hook right his, now. His, his soccer yeah. knowledge and ice hockey yeah. knowledge are still yeah. works in progress. Um, Although the, the Herb Carnegie thing, I'm, I'm, I'm newly mm. embedded yeah. in hockey. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. Um, Coach Prime and Ed Reed. Yeah. And the issues when you talk about coaching, and obviously presidents at HBCU said, yeah, it was nice that he was here, but what happens when they leave and we're left with these things? Um, your your thoughts on the positive and the negative of, of Deion Sanders, what he raised the awareness for Jackson State going on to Colorado, and then the issue with Ed Reed, and, and wh where does all that sit now in terms of opportunities for athletes of colors, not, uh, athletes of color, not just in football, but across uh, what HBCUs are trying to do? You know, I, th I think the good thing is that that it's an opportunity that probably more men will look at, and. There will probably be some, you know, some some more men, and you know, and maybe it's happening now, uh, in terms of a couple of the guys that are there, that will that will stay longer, mm -hmm. that that will be what they choose to do. But it's also, you know, we should realize, the idea of being a stepping stone is that's not that's not something that's new. Yeah. The idea that you you know you go start off as a high school coach and you you find your way as some assistant at, at a college level and you move up. So HBCUs are somewhere on that continuum mm -hmm. where that may be what you want to do. Some people coach high school forever mm -hmm. uh, because because they love it. So so I, I think that's where we have to get to. I mean, Dion, um, I think we have, we have the tape, led us astray a little bit about what, what he was going to do and you know, probably hadn't thought about the opportunities and how he might deal with them when they, they come to him. Um, so, so I think now we know. Mm -hmm. I, I think yeah. we've kind of moved forward from that and you almost don't want to bind somebody in some kind of way to do anything more than, than stay here as long as you love right and, and I and I that's the question like is there anything inherently wrong with doing what coaches and people in every a lot of other positions have done is use certain positions as stepping stones to bigger roles well this this is the whole this is where I think we're all in the same place I mean, Joe Joe might be old school I don't know but in terms of this whole idea of opportunity the college level, the transfer portal, the, the the idea that you know you got contracts and agreements, but it, there's there's no ethical uh, legal reason to be bound somewhere if you get a better opportunity. Right. That you you you, you take care of whatever issue you need to take, take care of, and if it's time to move for whatever reason, and there's no constraints contractually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We should all have that kind of freedom, and you know, and for the different topic, but for, for college students to do that, this is one of the things I do keep thinking about: this transfer portal. I knew we were going to get there. That's why I threw the softball so we could get there. But but the, the, the whole idea that it, that it is it is okay, but somebody needs to be there counseling these kids about what can go wrong. Yeah, yeah, that's that's where I am on this too. If I can get to my sorted college career. Yeah, we and, and we will, <laughs> and, and and we will. 
the, the question is really, and what concerns me, and you and I have had this conversation, um, is, well, offline, is, is well, who's, what's the graduation rate going to look like for these kids? Yeah. And who, who is advising them? And, and who, who has their best interests at stake? We know the graduation rates for transfer students in general are lower, right. somewhat significantly lower, actually, than the general student population. We know that student-athlete transfer numbers are lower, and now the free transfers, you're seeing an explosion in the number of transfers, right? Or at least at least, you know, young athletes entering the portal, right, whether they get picked up or not. Sometimes they can be left as a person without a country, right? right? Um, but that is what really concerns me. Yeah, yeah, the idea of, and uh, in my book, <laughs> the miseducation of the student athlete, how to fix college sports, some fancy name like that. No, I thought that was, that was close. Yeah, that was the Colin Williams. There's a colon in there yeah. somewhere. But most of the focus of the book, that all 28 people that bought it know. It's 37. What <laughs> <laughs> was this idea of how do we get these these men and women meaningful degrees, how do we put in place a structure that gives them a long-term opportunity to journey, journey and figure out what they're going to do with the rest of their life, especially if there's not a professional career on the yeah. horizon for them. Mm. And if, if, if there is a pro career, is there a way to come back? And, and all the money that people talk about is there, which, which is there, to use those funds to think about that and, and, and incorporate this transfer portal in that, the counseling that should be in place to help somebody make those kinds of decisions and understand the idea of coming back at some point and finishing a degree is, is something that's not going to be a financial burden. Mm -hmm. So, so that, that's to me that's the that's the bigger yeah the bigger picture. So, go to your athletic career, right? If, if you know, and, and varsity football at, at Stanford, um, primarily, and you've talked about this in different forums, primarily as a backup, right? Solely. So, okay, so I was being <laughs> well, nice, man. Predominantly. Uh, pre I, 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 whatever it is. I was trying, I was trying to let you off easy. Exclusively. Exclusively as a backup. <laughs> right. What, what kind of NIL deals would Ken, young Ken Tropshire, you know, Dorsey I, High School, have received? I, yeah, I think about question. that. And, and uh, you know, to be a uh, third, fourth, at times fifth, <laughs> fleetingly second <laughs> string uh, player, you know, I, I, I do watch this, and, and the idea of you know, could you have an offensive line instruction camp, and what kind of money could you make off of it? Or when the coaches ask you to come participate in a camp, you know, can you then turn and monetize it? Right. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I, I still don't get the, you know, I, I certainly would take my share of you know, tweet this stuff and get twenty five dollars or get hamburgers, yeah, and, free food, you know, yeah. and that sort of stuff. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's that's the realm I might have been in because I wasn't of that frame of mind. Right. To do that, it's you know, and, it's, and it remains interesting to me, frankly, why that's of value to so so many people, and how that's going to set out too. I yeah. mean, all this stuff is markets. I mean, oh, I, I don't sure. I don't think this is going to go the way people think it's going to go for the long haul. No. That it's going to settle out in some kind of way because the return has to be. You know, if the return starts coming in a way that we don't don't understand that it might for you know today's me. To get, you know, four four hundred dollars a month or whatever the average kind of number is, well, then maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, markets work, and over the long term they will. I think where it's it gets a little bit confusing is when there's 
this presupposition on behalf of whoever the sponsor is who is paying the NIL money that they don't have any pretense that there's going to be a monetary return on this. There's no going to be a return on investment. It really is more of an ROO and what's my objective here? Mm -hmm. My objective is to get more high quality players to enroll at my alma mater or whatever school I'm the booster for. Yeah, and the the whole collective part Mm -hmm. of it. Is that that's really where it starts to fall apart? Of course. And and the idea that you know, I, I guess all collectives aren't necessarily alike. But the idea that there's this bundle of money that can be used so that these best athletes can all receive some form of compensation. And if you find something else on your own, wonderful. But we're going to make sure you get ten grand or twenty or whatever the number yeah. is by virtue of coming to to my university. Yeah, and look, the advising around this as well is 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 tricky, right? I mean, you know, you've got kids who just don't know, and so they'll may do the offensive line camp, right, right. At, at Dorsey High School and charge kids twenty bucks a session to to do it. But what? But that's, what and that's all the money I needed. I right, mean, so. right. Sure, and there's other. It's good for them. The, the problem is, you know, you're running the business. So, do you have insurance? Mm. Are, are you running out the school? Like, what's liability look like, yeah. right, um, on that end? And can so, I use the Stanford logo? Right. Can you use the mm. logo? Scott, can, does that come up at all lately? Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> you know, all, all of those things come into play. And, you know, it's it, so there needs to be some, some, some more help right. uh, provided for the student-athletes as well. And we know a lot of athletic departments are, are starting to do that uh, to the extent that they're allowed to. But uh, it's just something that we'll continue to keep our, our eye on. Cool. You know, I just want to make one more point before we got to let Ken go. Um, the, 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 the claiming stake on the other side of this from the schools, as players enter the portal, you're seeing people saying, oh, so-and-so from what school, you know, if that's like their fourth stop. So wherever they finish last is where they're identified after all these other schools have invested. One of the crazier things I've heard was, so as Scott knows, I went to Fordham. And during the, the dark years before this year in men's basketball, when Bob Hill was the coach, Smush Parker was there for about a class and a half, and he was there for one year. Yet, the university didn't want to have anything to do with him until he suddenly became an NBA referee, and there was a story in the alumni magazine about Fordham's Smush Parker. I'm like, well, where did that ever come from? <laughs> See, all of a it, it always comes back to Fordham. Kid. Right, exactly. It and, always you know, comes back to Fordham. you got to hey, finish in the Bronx. Lombardi, you start in the Bronx. Lombardi, that's right, on. exactly. Lombardi, and that's right. why we're here, the Lombardi <laughs> Trophy. Seven blocks of granite, my friend. Therefore, anyway, yeah, yeah. so we've circled back <laughs> right. to why we're here yep. today, the Lombardi yep. Trophy and, and, and Fordham. And on that note, <laughs> we will wrap up this episode of the Columbia University Sports Management Podcast. Cusp. The Cusp, Cusp, Cusp Show. Cusp. There you go. With our guest, Ken Shropshire. For Joe Favorito, this is Scott Rosner. We'll see you next time.